This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Melissa Clark, and this is the Australia Votes podcast. In central Victoria, voters in the seat of Nichols will have a big ballot paper. The retirement of a popular Nationals MP has thrown open the contest. With local issues like the Murray-Darling Basin plan a major concern, along with broader social and economic issues like cost of living and housing, no one's willing to take a bet on who'll win the seat. I think we had three visits from Barnaby Joyce in the first uh, three weeks to support the Nationals candidate. It is fair to say they are taking this contest very, very seriously. This is despite the fact that it was one of the safest seats in Australia. We'll hear more from Matt Dowling in Shepparton. He presents the ABC's breakfast program there and he's found this election campaign quite different from past campaigns. But first, a quick wrap-up of today's campaign with podcast co-host James Glenday. James, promising to help workers' wages rise has been really central to Labor's election pitch. And today, Anthony Albanese seemed to suggest the minimum wage should, at the very least, match inflation. Yeah, so unions have asked the industrial umpire to increase the minimum wage by 5.5% to about $21.45 per hour. Business groups are going to outline what they want to do tomorrow. Unsurprisingly, they're going to say it should be less than that. But today, opposition leader Anthony Albanese was asked about what he thought, and he said, We think no one should go backwards. People should be at least keeping up at least keeping up with the cost of living. But Mel, the cost of living, inflation, is at 5.1% at the moment. So that's a pretty big pay bump. And as you mentioned, this is a fairly substantial difference between the two parties at this election. Labor's saying it's going to do things like holding a job summit once elected to try to get wages rising faster than inflation so that workers have more money overall in their pockets. The government, however, saying only economic growth and productivity can really lead to real wages growth, which on current estimates means that workers aren't going to be getting a pay rise for some time. Time, in fact, could be going backwards for 18 months or so. It's a bit dense, Mel, but it really is important to anyone who actually earns a wage, which is most of us. And it's going to make a difference as to whether your money can buy more or buy less over the next 12 to 18 months. And James, there's a candidate who is looking unlikely to be elected, but nonetheless is getting a disproportionate amount of attention. And that's the Liberal candidate for Warringah, Catherine Deves. She's in the news yet again. What is going on here? Uh, what's happening is a Conservative candidate in a seat she is unlikely to win, or would look at least at the moment she's unlikely to win, is inflaming tensions within the Liberal Party. I mean, that's simply what's happening. The background is Catherine Deves, who was handpicked by the Prime Minister, has very strong views about transgender people. Some of them she's expressed in a very offensive way, which I'm not going to repeat. Liberals who are trying to hold on in neighbouring inner city areas, particularly in Sydney, just want her to be quiet. But she has spoken again. So you're not really apologising or stepping back from that language? Well, I'm apologising for how people might have perceived it uh, and the fact that it is confronting and it is ugly. And I certainly don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, uh, but, but that is the correct terminology. Uh, this all goes, though, Mel, to a much deeper problem for the New South Wales Liberal Party, which is a bitter dispute over how candidates were pre-selected for this election. The games that went on, which the PM's proxy, the Immigration Minister Alex Hawke, was involved in. And although this is another very complicated issue, this is going to blow up in a massive, massive way if the polls are right and the Coalition loses this election. And this comes down to the fact that Catherine Deves was handpicked by Scott Morrison himself. Handpicked by Scott Morrison and moderate Liberals, who fear they're going to lose to independence in the inner city just don't want to hear from her and they actually wanted her 
to be well and truly disendorsed. Some conservatives say, oh, these comments about transgender kids and things might work in outer suburban marginal seats. They think that's why the PM keeps backing her. These are issues that I have no doubt Australians are very concerned about, as parents are very concerned about. But I'd just say, uh, (laughs) let's watch this space, Mel, because I think after the election, there's going to be a reckoning how all of this happened. And uh, there was always this risk that a candidate like Catherine Deves could be pre-selected at the last minute, and that's why the party wanted candidates in place a year in advance. They had time in the electorate to campaign. They also had time to be vetted. Any of this could have been washed through. The seat of Nichols in central Victoria is normally one of the safest seats for the Nationals, but the local MP, the rather popular Damien Drum, is retiring, and the contest to replace him is giving locals something to think about. Matt Dowling is the breakfast presenter at ABC Shepparton, and I'm glad he's staying back a little later today to have a chat with <laughs> about the election with me. Matt, thank you. No worries, Mel. Nice to be here. Uh, look, the ballot paper for the lower house in Nichols. It's going to have 11 candidates on it this year. Sounds like you guys are spoilt for choice in Nichols. Yeah, it is. It's a, well, I won't say a Melbourne Cup field. It's probably a bit cliched, isn't it? But certainly <laughs> it is a big field of, uh, of, of candidates uh, this year. And they often talk about the three cornered contest, I suppose. It's created with the, the retiring of a, uh, of a member when it pits perhaps the Nationals and the Libs against each other. Well, we've got all that, but we do have a prominent independent candidate uh, this time around. Uh, but his name is Rob Priestley, which has added a whole new complexion to the election race this year. It's interesting in that neck of the woods in Victoria, you've got a well-established run of independence in the neighbouring seat of Indi. And I understand you've got a state MP as an independent who's come in recently and shaken up the political scene a bit too. Yeah, well, two terms, in fact, for uh, or coming to the end of her second term at a state level, Susanna Sheed. I think it is interesting because you will have the the Nationals candidate, Sam Birrell, and the Liberal candidate, Steve Brooks, in this electorate talking about, you know, independence don't work. You need a, you need a, someone who is part of it, a wider team, someone who has a chance to be in government. But if you look at Indi, as you mentioned, we've had Cathy McGowan for two terms and now Helen Haynes and very likely another term there. That'll be four terms in a row. And so the independents have a lot of traction elsewhere in this uh, wider community and so therefore you would think there could be quite a few people within the seat of Nichols who might say, well, why not? Are you seeing the Nationals rethink their approach in the electorate? Are they doing things differently in recognition that this isn't a safe seat, that it's not something they can take for granted, that Damien Drum will just be replaced with another National? Uh, Is Barnaby Joyce uh, turning up to try and drum up votes? (laughs) Would it help if he did? Yeah, I, I thought he must have his own little place in town, actually. I think we had three visits from Barnaby Joyce in the first uh, three weeks to support the Nationals candidate, uh, Sam Birrell. And uh, it is fair to say they are taking this contest very, very seriously. This is despite the fact that uh, Damien Drum uh, enjoyed a 20% margin at the last election. It was one of the safest seats in Australia. But, of course, he is retiring and, and there is a personal following within that. And certainly with uh, a high-profile presence of Nats coming through the region, obviously Barnaby Joyce is one and uh, Senator Bridget McKenzie, of course. On Barnaby Joyce... 
visiting multiple times, you know, then we often mm. hear about the nationals that there's this bit of this north and south divide that the Victorian nationals don't really like Barnaby Joyce and Barnaby Joyce can be a bit of a, a liability for their campaigning in Victoria. But that clearly doesn't seem to be bearing out in Nichols. If he's, he's turning up, it's clearly thought, at least from a campaign strategy point of view, that his presence there must be a positive. Well, you would think so, and uh, I think uh, Barnaby's Joyce's mantra while he's been here is, "If you don't like me, that's okay." But the liking me, not liking me, or voting for or voting for the Nationals can be two different things. Look, you are right. I think it has, but there is that idea that Barnaby's not as popular down south, and that probably is borne out to uh, to some extent. In fact, when our producer Rosa Ritchie was uh, out speaking to uh, to voters out on the street of Nichols, uh, Barnaby Joyce came up in conversation, and here's what was said: "What are the key issues?" that you, um, well, I suppose the ones that matter to you and then the ones that you see mattering to the rest of society as well. Right. Um, Climate change um, and integrity in politics. The Deputy Prime Minister was in Shepparton um, and when he was asked about a federal ICAC and whether we needed one, he said that people in regional Victoria don't don't care and that's not what matters to them. Do you agree with the Deputy PM? Uh, He's clearly out of touch with the people. So, no, I don't agree with him. Um, however, you know, he uh, it, it hasn't stopped him from, from visiting the electorate. I feel like all good chats should get to the weather at some point. And it's definitely mm. been some pretty rainy summers, which is great news for the, particularly the rural parts of, of the Nichols seat. And water allocation has been such a big issue over the last decade, really, when it comes to the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. It was certainly a big issue on the national stage in previous elections, but not so much this time around. But what about locally? It's it's interesting to note with, the say, the three main candidates in, in this respect, that being the independent Rob Priestley and Liberal candidate Steve Brooks and Nationals candidate Sam Birrell, they're all on the same page in terms of opposing uh, water buybacks. And I know the Nationals have made efforts to remove it from legislation. I suppose the difference is for Steve Brooks, who, by the way, is the, the son of Chris Brooks, the chairman of Southern Riverina Irrigators, and they're very much an outspoken critic of the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. And so uh, Steve Brooks uh, also against water buybacks, but at the same time, the Liberals have made it clear they intend to deliver the plan on time and in full. And so, that's, uh, that promise for the federal Liberal Party has mm. been seen as critical for keeping votes in South Australia in particular that are really looking for those water buybacks to happen so that water is returned all the way through the river system. So I'm mm. not sure how, how they reconcile that position of, of locally saying, I do not support buybacks, but the federal party position is actually we do. Well, that's been put to Steve Brooks and he has said that he believes better to have a, a voice in the room than outside the room. However, I guess the Nationals have countered by saying it's not much point having that voice in the room when you've got very senior Liberals uh, in in South Australia and elsewhere who will um, drown out perhaps that that solitary voice of someone from the the seat of of Nichols. But you're right, it does set up an interesting conflict. How important is that to people when they're going to be casting their ballots on May 21? Is that an issue that votes are turning on or are other issues a higher priority for most voters? I think this time around the feeling is water hasn't raised its head as an issue 
as much as it as it has in other elections. But then in, when we've gone out and, and spoken to people on the street, you're getting a lot of the other issues that are coming up elsewhere too. Oh, yes, like everyone else, the petrol cost of living. Probably because of our age, um, obviously health. Petrol's gone through the roof and... You know, like I like to eat healthy and that's become very expensive. Buying a house now, it's just going to be a lot harder for everyone. I think it doesn't matter who wins the election, they're going to have a tough job ahead of them. Social housing is another big one for our region and we we do know this region and the Shepparton in particular, the main population hub, has one of the highest rates of homelessness in Victoria and Australia. Aged care has been getting a run. Very keen on the aged care side, which is, I did work in aged care and aged care needed a lot of help. I don't think anyone's going to fix it in the short term, but mandating staff level stuff like that would be fantastic. We're all going to be old one day, so we're going to look after our older people. And climate change, and in fact it was only a week or two ago the Climate Council released a report that identified Nichols as being the most vulnerable to climate change in Australia, which I think came as a shock even to the people of Nichols. And I I think the statistic was something like that by the year 2030, nine out of ten homes could be uninsurable due to potential flood damage, which sounds pretty drastic. I mean, that actually, that report, interestingly, was put to Barnaby Joyce the last time he was here, and to say he met it with indifference would be an understatement <laughs> um, when, he was, uh, when it was put to him by one of, one of our reporters here. Today, the Climate uh, Council released a report that says Nichols will be the worst affected electorate in the whole country uh, by the impacts of climate change. Um, do you need to use the power of government to protect Australians from those impacts of climate change? Well, first thing, I disagree with that analogy. The second thing I it was think a, it was a study. First thing, first thing I disagree with that study. The second thing I I think it's a pretty rude statement to say to the people of the Northern Rivers. They're what, calling what for more. St- what that statement that you made there is going to be read by the people of Lismore. They would say that you've made a political statement to garner support, completely ignoring what's happened in recent history. In fact, within the last couple of months. I'll give you a little insider tip from the uh, ABC Election HQ. I did overhear Anthony Green today say that Nichols is the one seat that has him scratching his head and has mm. uh, everyone who's looking closely at election results uh, the most uncertain about. They're really not sure how this one's going to go. It's funny. I had Rob Priestland here though, and he said, what are you hearing? And, and Sam Birrell's asked me the same thing as though <laughs> I'm some sort of font of all knowledge. And I said, well, I don't know. I've got it really hard to... Uh, uh, to know. I know Rob's got a bit of an army behind him, whether that translates to uh, to votes, who knows. We'll be back with another episode of the Australia Votes podcast tomorrow. Subscribe on the ABC Listen app to make sure you don't miss the remaining episodes as we get closer to polling day on May 21. I'm Melissa Clark. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.